Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Winner's Circle brought to you by Grande Sports Training, where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players. Today's special guest is Tormenta FC striker Daniel Jackson. Daniel, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. What's up? It's good to see you and uh, yeah, excited to be on with you. Nice to see you too, man. It's, yeah. been, it's been a while. We, uh, we used to play together back in D.C., yeah. Yes, and we did, bro. Then Mr. Daniel went on to do big <laughs> things, man. Yes. Trying to, man. Trying to. Still still at it, bro. Still at it right now. So the grind never stops. You know how it is. So, Daniel, I know with the whole quarantine thing, everything got stopped. But now a lot of teams are resuming training, individual, tra- individual training, small group training. How's that going for you so far? It's going well, man. Actually, uh, here uh, down in Georgia, we had the – I think we had a unique opportunity that um, – being in a small, being in a small town that we are in, that things really didn't shut down as, as much as other other cities did. Obviously, like you, you look at like a New England Revolution too, they're they're kind of in the, the heat of it in a bit in a bigger city. So they those guys weren't even able to to leave the apartment or do anything. Whereas, and we, um, like I said, we had the unique opportunity to go um, and still still get some touches on the ball. Um, few of my roommates that are on the team as well um we got a consistent runs on the ball and got a chance to go out to the field and get some touches in even you know as this COVID stuff is going on so that's been good um uh we're now in like uh the phase two uh section of you know return to play so we're able to be in bigger groups now so we're up to I think about eight player uh, eight to ten players uh that are able to train together so um things are moving along a little bit quicker than I would have thought so. I mean, that's a good thing that um, that people are taking care of themselves and 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 following the guidelines and stuff like that. So, um, as things start to open back up, we have to obviously our circle has to get a little bit smaller because we're trying to open back up and trying to not expose ourselves to to the outside world, so to speak, uh, as much as possible. Because you know how it is. Like if you um, if anybody on the team were to you know contract the virus, that obviously puts everybody else at risk. So. I'm just trying to minimize that as much as possible. So, uh, yeah, man, other than that, everything's good, man. Just, uh, it's good to be out on the field again and hopefully within the next month or so, we'll be back to, back to full training and hopefully get some games in, man. So yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that one. When is the <laughs> league supposed to start back up? So tentatively right now they said, uh, it's July 18th, but you know, obviously that's, like I said, tentative, uh, depending on, um, developments uh you know of covid in in certain areas in the in the country where our teams are so um just kind of it's kind of just we're going through this process right now it's like a two-week process and hopefully if things are you know where they should be after these next two weeks we'll move to phase three which is a full training and uh we'll get we'll get we'll get after it and hopefully start the season soon after so yeah i mean hopefully it all passes by quick because we know we're all itching to get back out there yeah, bro. Like I said, actually, it's thinking about it now. Like it's we were talking about it, man. It's it's June tenth. I remember like the first day where they had it, where they were telling people to shut down, and it's kind of the the time has kind of flown by pretty quickly. You know, it didn't I think we started uh, this in March? So, well, that's like a good two and a half, three months, bro. Now we're we're already back into it. So I'm excited for you know to get like I said, excited to get back to work. So yeah, man. Mm-hmm. So. Daniel, when did you start playing soccer? Your earliest childhood memory of touching my my 
earliest child memory is when I was five years old. Um, and actually soccer wasn't really like a, it wasn't really a game that like when I first played it, it was like, oh my goodness, like I love the game, but it was something, it was a game for me that always kept my attention. Like I, I, my mom tried to put me in football. Like obviously it's too many stops and stuff like that. It didn't really catch my attention. Uh, baseball as well. Just, I was, I was hyper as a kid and I needed to, you know, continually, you know, be active, you know, and soccer was it, man. Like it was obviously, you know, the flow of the game and it's all constant running. And like, it was something that I uh, picked up at a young age and I, you know, got good at and all my friends played as well. So I think that was another thing too. It was kind of like a social thing. We had a, my mom was a part of like a, a mom group that all of our, all of our, all the kids played. And so it was kind of like a, yo, mom, when's soccer starting up? Like, let's go. Like I just, it, it was kind of just a way to hang out with friends. Um, and it kind of developed from there, man. Like our grew up in high school, all, all those same friends. Um, we played together from when we were, like I said, we were five until um, high school. And we actually had a really good team. We, out of my four years um, playing, we went to state three times, um, won the championship once. So we had, we had some good memories from from my friends back at home so that's kind of how it started off for me in the beginning um but yeah definitely i have definitely i feel like i have a unique story as in like you hear all these other players saying that they touched the ball and it was like their first love it was like the thing and it like it wasn't for me and the i think that's very unique in the sense that it was something that developed over time and just the love for it grew and grew until you know to now so Hey, when, what, what city, what city uh, were you born in? I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, my family moved uh, shortly after to South Haven, Michigan, where I grew up in Michigan, southwest part of Michigan. And that's where you started playing? Ball. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's where it was. And you said you started playing at five years old, you know, just to get some touches on the ball. Yeah, just really your first love. But after that, when did you start playing competitively? Like at what age? Probably when I when I actually started really getting into it, I think uh, we had this like um, neighborhood. I wouldn't say neighborhood. It was like an area league called ASO, AYSO. I don't know if you've heard of it. If they had it down in, in Maryland or anything like that, but it was kind of like a it was kind of a local league for um, amateur amateur teams. So I got I got involved in that really competitively, and we had um, towns over like different towns around the area that had this, had different teams and stuff like that, like U12, U13, all that stuff. So that's kind of how I um, went through the ranks until I got to my high school. Now that you've experienced, you know, playing in different parts of the country, how was it competitive wise in terms of like talent in Michigan compared to like what you've been exposed to now? Well, we, we have some, we had some really good talent. Like, unfortunately for me, um, where I grew up, the area that I grew up, it was, uh, it was farther from the bigger cities and the bigger cities obviously had um, more like the club teams and stuff like that. So I didn't really get into club until I was 16 years old. We, uh, uh, it was a club called Jair, um, Jeremy and Jason Woolry, uh, two guys that started up that um, club. Shout out to them for making me, you know, advance me as a player um, when I was in high school as well. But um it around my area, it wasn't really like huge. Com- there wasn't like a huge competitiveness factor as on the club level on the high school level yeah we there was a some good rivalry and we had some good um talent um eric alexander it's a name that you possibly couldn't know he plays for he plays for houston dynamo now and he's uh 
was the Gatorade National Player of the Year his senior year. So we, we had some, uh, some good talent around the area. He came from Kalamazoo. So um, I, I'd say that the, the talent level was pretty high. Again, it was just kind of tough to, to get to those bigger clubs because I was far away. I was like two or three hours away from Detroit. It's literally on the other side of the state. So, so would you say when you, you, know, you started playing at, at that young age and you started playing competitively around 16, when did you feel that you developed that, that work ethic, that competitive work, edge? Man, I'm telling you, like the, the work ethic came literally, um, I think, from the culture of our high school team. Like, again, like I said, we were – very successful my, my four years through high school, but the year before that too, they, they, were, they had, was the year that where they, they were continuing to advance, to starting to advance the, the program pretty well. And uh, just the leadership that we had from the older guys too, um, the guys knew how special the group they, that we had coming up. And uh, we, we really put in, you know, hard work. Like we, during the summers, we would have the captains would have like a fitness sessions where we would literally run around this, run around the town, man. We'd run like four or five miles um, every weekend, like on a Saturday, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We were waking up, meeting at the field, and we'd run from the field around the town, like because uh, the town of the living has a beach too, a beach, quote unquote, on Lake Michigan. And so we'd run down to the beach and we'd like run this course about four, four to five miles, man, and just that type of work ethic from those guys um, just kind of dwindled down to, to the younger guys too. And it's just something in me that's always been, you know, since I was since, since high school. So to kind of rubbed off on you. Yeah, and exactly. Been, you rubbed off. You've had it ever since now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you know, there, there's a lot of players that, that I've, I've spoken to that they've, you know, naturally they develop, they develop the work ethic at an early age you know, maybe around eight, nine, 10, 11. And then there's some that learned it at a, at a later age. But, you know, eventually you get to a point where you realize that something just clicks and you're like, this is what I got to do to do what I want to what I want to do. You know what I mean? Right. So would you say in high school, it kind of clicked for you in terms of like, this is what I want to do? Definitely. So like, in like, kind of like to piggyback off, to your, off of what you were saying is like, when I got in high school, like I was always so growing up too. like, even when I started the game, I was always one of the better guys on the team or the best guy on the team just for the simple, my simple physical attributes. So obviously, you know, I have pace and that was one thing that just obviously as a kid, if you're fashioning all the kids, it's going to make you better, like regardless of how good, how technical the kids are, because you can just run past them and score. So um, as soon as I got to high school, I saw the competition that I was head of and I was like, well, if I, if I'm going to play, then I need to be better than these guys. So again, that was something that kind of drove me. It was the competitiveness factor of the guys that were older than me and ahead of me and be like, Hey, like I being fast and being like having these physical attributes aren't just the only thing that's going to help me, you know, get play, play more. You know what I mean? I have to actually put in a work ethic, get, the, get my technique down and, and things like that to actually make an impact on the team. And, and that's what I did, man. Like that I was, he, uh, very competitive as a as a high school player and yeah again still to this day you know what I mean like you you go in the locker room and you see see the guys we have in the locker room like I need you know I need to be better than that guy you know so you just put in the work yeah no I know man your pace is like 99 <laughs> 99 pace hey not so much anymore man I'm 30 years old but kind of slowing down a little bit but I still got it I still got it <laughs> Yeah, man. So that, but just having that mentality is so interesting to me 
you know, you walk into any room or any locker room that you encounter and you're just like, I need to be better than everybody in this room. Cause mm-hmm. not everybody has that mentality. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's something that either comes naturally or it's developed. And for you, it seems like it got developed over time, mm-hmm. you know, starting from high school and just rubbing off being in that environment with those older guys. So after right. high school, you went to college. What college did you go to? So I went to college at Cumberland University. So my, my college experience was kind of, uh, I think my college years were, it's a little bit back and forth a little bit. So I went to college at Cumberland University. I was there for a year and a half. I played my first year. I redshirted my second year. So after my second year, um, I went back home um, to just go to school. So I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was playing soccer just locally and, and trying to and trying to work and find a job and stuff like that. So I kind of did that thing for another two years. And then in 2010 is the year that I moved to Maryland. And I think that uh, moving to Maryland for me kind of changed my game and, and put it, changed it to another level. Um, you know, the rock, the Rockville sportsplex there and that, you know, it was a huge like community of guys that would always, you know, we'd be there till about 3am bro. I was working at finish line at the time when I, when I first moved to Maryland and I remember, you know, getting an eight hour shift in coming home, eating dinner really quick. And I'm like, all right, mom, I'm going to the plex. I'll be gone from like 10 to 3 a.m. I come back at 3 a.m. And it was just, for me, it was just kind of like a, obviously it was a love of the game, but like the competitiveness too, man. Like it was just so many good players. You know, you know how Maryland is like, yeah, there's you. a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent that comes out of that DMV area. So um, the guys that would come to the Plex, you know, just pushed me even more to become, you know, to become a better player. So I think that for me was a huge turning point in my career is, you know, getting me to where I am today, for sure. Would you say that transition like off the field from from Michigan to Maryland, did it impact you in any way? Um, I th- I think so. I, I think I think a lot of that, the experiences that we have off the field can kind of like affect us, you know, emotionally right. and mentally. We're like, damn, we're not in our own environment anymore. Right. Yeah. And that's that's another thing, too. And, and again, to go back what I was saying before is that like in my area, I was one of the better players. And I come here and like there's hundreds of guys just as fast, you know, just as technical as I was. So, again, it was just kind of like a um, a grind, you know what I mean? I have to go in and. and and compete and challenge and, and, and stuff like that. And I think for me, more than anything, um, I think it was just like, it was a more of a culture shock for me too, because I mean, you know how DMV is, it's a melting pot. And from where I'm from, we didn't have that, you know, that many ethnicities or, or people from different areas. So it was, it was, I think it was a cool transition for me to kind of have a different uh, perspective on life in general. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that was, a again, I think it was a huge, uh, turning point for me, not only on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree because there's definitely a lot of times that players go into another city or go into another environment and then it's like, boom, like there's talent here too. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, if there's talent in your area, there's talent in this area and then that area. And then you just got to be able to keep up with everybody. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So after you redshirted that second year, you ended up going somewhere else? So, no, I was going to school. At, uh, I was just literally going to school, and I wasn't playing um, collegiately at all. I was just working. Um, and actually, between those years, um, uh, I got got in contact with a, with a coach that 
coach for Western Michigan University. He was a Division One coach. And um, he got in contact with the, the Coker University, that's the team that I ended up being on. He's like, hey, I got a guy that I uh, would love to have you. Um, D2 school down in South Carolina. And I went to go visit. Um, and that, that was in 2011. But then I ended up uh, getting transferring there in the the fall of two thousand or the spring of two thousand twelve, and the fall of two thousand twelve was my first season there. So um, that's a little bit of my transition. I was kind of, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just literally working, trying to find a way to play. You know what I mean? And um, I got that opportunity at Coker, and uh, I think I, you know, did the best of what you know with what I had. Like we had a had a pretty decent first season with them. Um, in 2012, we were ranked regionally and ended up being ranked nationally um, that first year. And then my second year, uh, we we had a good season as well. Um, and but personally, for me, it was my best season. I think I uh, I tied the uh, school's goal scoring record and was first team all first team all conference, uh, first team all region, and had some national honors as well. So I think definitely uh, for me that transition to to Maryland to then obviously us playing at DC and stuff like that. And, and that um, exposure that I had and um, playing under Jaime Moreno, as you know, um, definitely kind of put me at another level so that I can be able to perform at the collegiate level to get that opportunity to, to play professionally. So. And was that transition of competitiveness or, or talent level at college and Coker completely different from what you were experiencing in the other college? Oh, definitely. I honestly, I think my first year, uh, my legit first year as a as a freshman in college was I don't think I was ready for the college. Everything, level? bro. Everything. Every the physicalness. Why do you say that? Why uh, do you say that? I because I, I mean I wasn't like I I wasn't. I'm I'm thinking back on like my performances and and what I did there. I mean, my first year playing at Cumberland, we won one game and I think we we lost the rest. And I think I remember scoring maybe one goal that year. Um, so obviously that's not individually, that's not, <laughs> that's not the best type of, uh, that's not the best performance you want to play. Yeah, that's, out, not, that's not the Daniel I know, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Goals left and right. One goal. <laughs> hey, they must have one goal, bro. Score sheet, bro. Yeah, man. So like, that was, that was a tough, that was a tough season for me, man. And I think it really opened my eyes too. I think, um, again, and the, competitive nature that there you know there's a lot of talent and if I want to be successful in this and if this is really what I want to do which is what I did want or what I do want to do um then I'm gonna have to start putting in more work and I again like I said the move to Maryland was such a it was such a crucial thing for me because I um I was playing every day you know competitively against guys who were just as good and better than me and I think that's definitely what made me better um as a player and um Again, obviously, being under Jaime Moreno that year um, at D.C., um, him being a forward, too, kind of took me under his wing and learned a lot of things that I, you know, that's that I still use today that helped me out um, as a forward. So I always talk about the importance of playing pickup, too. Like there's sometimes where, you know, you can't go out and just play an organized game because the season's done or, you know, just mm. players aren't out there. You can't go train, but there's always people playing out there. And always, you'll find yourself in a place like the Rogo Sportsplex mm. where there's a lots of talent. There's a lot of D1 players that go in there. There's a lot yeah, of bro. professional players that go in there. There's a mm. lot of retired 
older men um, that go in there, but they're right. they're still quality. Yeah, they're the quality, they might, bro. They might not be there, but they read the game in a unique way, and it helps yeah. you so much just being able to play pickup and read the game and just do little runs, little touches, little combinations, and it helps so much because, right. like, now over time, you know, you see it. If you think back at it, you're like, man, this pickup definitely helped me out in, in certain areas mm-hmm. of my game. You know what I mean? Right. And then now, after playing at D.C., having that blessing of having Javi Moreno as a coach, he's yeah, one of bro. the best strikers in the MLS. Yeah, bro. It's huge. Learning a lot from him definitely mm-hmm. changed your game. Like, what would you Change say? It. What would you say the most um, important thing that was that you learned from him? For me, um, I think one of the things that he really focused on with me is because obviously I have the physical uh, ability, but me reading the, me being able to read the game and, and finding runs, making the correct runs and, and when to make them. Because obviously, if you're fast, you know, that's good and that's all good and well. But if you can't utilize your speed and you don't know how to use it in certain moments, then what's the point? You know what I mean? So um, I was able, he was able to teach me. Uh, you know, being to how, to how to read the game in certain situations. And I think, obviously, it definitely helped me out tremendously. Because um, that year, I think it was – so after my 2012 season at Coker, that was the year after that. Um, in the summer of 2013 is when I played under him. And, again, it, it showed immensely from, from that first year at Coker to the second year. I mean, again, I went from four goals to scoring 15 goals, I believe. So, like, that's a huge – it was just a huge uh, aspect of my game that obviously I needed to, to work on. And, and um, it definitely paid off for sure. Just being under him and, and, and learning from him daily was just crucial for me in my game. After that second season in Coker, what happened? What happened after college? So, yeah, bro. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is a fun part. Uh, yeah, man. So <laughs> this, is, this is actually a crazy story, too, because um, so – I wasn't, um, I wasn't invited to the MLS combine or anything like that. And, um, so every player, um, every senior in our conference got a, got a letter from, uh, InfoSport, InfoSport combines. So at the time, Daryl Shore, who's the, uh, he's currently the coach of, uh, Ford Madison in the USL League one. Um, he was the guy that was running it and it pretty much is somewhat of the same type of, uh, setup as the MLS combine, um, you have guys who, you know, who go and pay for the, for the combine and you go and we had, a, it was about three days of competition. Um, and I went there with one of my teammates from, from college and, and we, I had a, I think honestly for me personally, I had a very good combine, but the team that I got put on, so they split guys up, they split everybody up in about, nine different teams with 15 guys on each team and we did like certain things so we played small sided games and then the first day second day we played uh full sided games and then the third day um if you were picked for the uh all-star game they call it um we got a chance to play against the u23 national team which is which was good so we did well i think the team that i have the team that i was on we still have maybe eight guys that are still playing professionally to this day but yeah, so I had a really good combine that year, and uh, so I get back. Um, to, so I get back to school, and this is in January. We're getting ready. We're starting classes. It's the first week of classes, and I get a call because the, my agent, my current agent at the time, or he still is my agent. He um, was working with me at the time. He was like, 
hey, you know, I just wanted to let you know that you possibly could be, you know, drafted. And, like, being drafted in the MLS is something that, like, as soon as I started playing, it was something I had dreamed of. But, like, it was something kind of, like, so far-fetched that I didn't really, you know, it wasn't something that I was kind of, like, hoping for. I was just I was just wanting to play professionally. It was like, I just like, want to get on If it happens, team. it happens. Yeah, if it happens, it happens. That's great. If not, then, like, I'll, you know, I'll work my way to get there. You know, I'll work, I'll work to get there. It's not a problem. And then I remember, bro, like, I remember getting a call in, in, in classroom and it was uh, the Houston Dynamo coach. And he was like, Hey, uh, I don't want to, I, I don't want to let you know too early, but we possibly could be, you know, drafting you the first, the, on the first day, it was like the second round or something like that. And I was like, like, what, like, what are you saying to me? Like, excuse me? <laughs> like what? Excuse me. Well, yeah. So, um, so I didn't get drafted that day and kind of like, I was kind of bummed out, but even still I had, I had after the combine, um, I did well enough to receive a few offers and I was kind of like looking over those, like it, there were a few USL uh, teams at the time that I was looking at that I had doodled down to two. And I was actually uh, looking to, to possibly sign within the next few days. And so um, the second day of the draft, I kind of was just, uh, I kind of was just following it randomly while I was in class and, and, I get a text from my agent. He's like, congratulations. I was like, congratulations on what? He's like, you got drafted to Salt Lake 72nd pick. I was like, what? <laughs> and so like, yo, I get off the phone, call my mom and she's screaming, going crazy. And it, I mean, it was just like a huge, it was a huge moment. Like just uh, a dream of like being uh, drafted professionally. It was just like a, a moment that I, you know, will always remember. Um, and I think it was just a very, it was kind of like an accumulation of every, all the hard work and all the things, all the nights at the sports plex, like all those things just adding up into that one moment. And it was just like a, it, it was a, it was a huge moment for me, man. So like, I, I really will never forget that. And um, yeah, man, I remember, I remember was, seeing huge, that. I, I remember seeing your name and I was like, Hey, that's, yeah, I know that guy. Bro. I know that guy. I sent <laughs> yeah, you a message. Congratulations, yeah. bro. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. But just, just tracking back a little bit. So, mm. After college, you go to the combine, and I think this is so important. You know, if you don't have any contacts out of college, you took that opportunity or that that chance to go into the combine. You invested in yourself. You paid for it, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna make this work somehow, right. some way. Because a lot of these players, man, trust me, they're they're scared to spend a dime to go try out here, go fly here, and if you don't have any contacts and nobody knows who the hell you are, sometimes that's all you gotta do. That's all you have to do, it's, bro. It's literally putting yourself in front of people so that they mm -hmm. can see you. If you're good enough, exactly. trust me, you're going to get picked up somewhere. Exactly. That's a, that's another thing. You, I mean, you hit, hit it right on the head. Like, I tell guys who who I know that's been cut from teams, not not even, like, professional teams, just, like, you know, PDL teams or anything like that. It's like, yo, just don't stop. If this is really something you want to do, like, continue to work at – continue to work at what you need to work at. like don't one coach may hate you. He may think you the worst player he's ever seen in his life, but I guarantee you, you'll find that one coach that'll love you. And you're his, you know, you're his golden boy. So don't, don't beat yourself up that, you know, one coach or another coach might not, you know, think, see your value because you do have value. You just need to continue to put yourself out there and get yourself in front of the, the people to, to see, to be able to see your value. So I just, I stress that so much with, with, uh, the younger players that that I that I sometimes coach and that are coming up just just to continue to 
continue to work and put yourself out there, like you said, because, you know, you never know when your chance will, when your chance will come, but just continue to work at it and, and, and be ready for it. Because when it comes, it comes quick, man. So you need to be ready. Exactly. And when you showed up at Russell Lake, how was that transition from college to now the pro environment? How did bro, you take first, first of all, man, like my first day, man, like it was crazy. So like, obviously I'd been following MLS too. And these guys had just, uh, they had just went to the MLS cup final the previous or literally a month before played uh, Kansas city, unfortunately lost that year. But I mean, these are guys that I had been watching and I'm actually here in the same environment with them. And it was just kind of, I think my first reaction was a bit starstruck. It was kind of like, I, you know, I just watched these guys last month on the game and I'm actually in the room with them and interacting with them and stuff. No, it was, it was a really cool experience. Um, but definitely for me, it, uh, just the pace of the game was just completely different. Like we say it, like I said it a lot, even between the, between the college and the high school game, but the, the amount of uh, experience and technique the, that's different from the college and, and professional game is just unlimited, bro. Like I, I, I think my first day we played a, we played a Rondo game where we played, actually we played a drill where it was four guys. It was a four before one box. And there was kind of like a space in between. And then there was another box of four before. And it was kind of like a transition game. So you get a certain amount of passes and then you play it over to the other side. And bro, it was like the ball was moving around like a pin. And I literally, I was lost, man. I was lost my first day. I was lost my first day, man. Like if somebody, if somebody were to like pull up the tape and, and of that first day, like I would look so out of place because it was really just kind of like a, a whirlwind for me. But as a as a camp went on, I continued to, to progress, kind of find my footing. But that was one major thing for me that I kind of that kind of stuck out to me. It was just like the the clean the cleanness of the touches and and the way that guys play is just night and day from the college level to the professional level. And that's something that I had to to get used to right away. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome that you mentioned that because it's it's so true. Like. A lot of these talented players, they may they may be talented in their clubs right now. They may be talented in their league right now, but when they jump into that pro environment with yeah, like these quality players, it's completely different. And mm -hmm. it's not only about being a quality player; it's also about being consistent, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's a key. That I think that's a most important factor because what coaches look at is like, can I trust Daniel to go out every day and do the same thing? Can he can he take his player on? Can he can he finish? You know what I mean? They want to know that you can, they can trust you consistently put you out there and know what they're going to get. And so that was, that was definitely a big piece of me that I think I had to learn as well. Continuing my pro professional career as a, at a young age as well. And then after Real Salt Lake, what ended so up? after real, yeah. So after Salt Lake, I kind of, uh, that preseason, I jumped around to a few teams. So I was with uh, Chicago fire for about two weeks um, down in Florida, actually in Bradenton at IMG. And um, after I played a few friendlies with them, um, I went over to Orlando City at the time. I think it was the year before, two years, be actually two years before they went um, to the MLS. So yeah, I was with them for, for another two weeks. And then after that, I finally signed my first professional contract with uh, the, at the time, Carolina Rollhawks. Now they're the NCFC currently. But at the time, they were playing in the NASL Carolina Real Hawks. And during all this time that you're jumping around from club to club, 
right, doing preseason. You're obviously still in that professional environment, but how was that? Like, what was going through your mind? You know, just jumping into these pro, and you just like you just got to show up every time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But I I think uh, one thing for me was uh, just trying to be a sponge, trying to take in everything. You know, um, anything that the older guys were you know were saying during training, or just how people act their demeanors and how they carry themselves was a huge one for me um because not you know being a pro is not only just you know again we were saying it not on not only on the field but off the field how you carry yourself as a man is a, is a big thing um so I, I definitely definitely learned from from a few guys and kind of took that and and add some pieces to to my life in general and how how to take care of your body how to be consistent how to you know just do the right things eat well just small things like that, that'll just change, you know, up your game that percent, you know what I mean? Because obviously at the pro level, it's about it's percentages that 0.2% could be the difference between me scoring a goal or me, you know what I mean? Like just there's the the margins are so small. Yeah. I always say that. And I'm so happy Mm. that you just mentioned that for everybody listening. It's coming from somebody else now. You don't got to hear me saying it every time. But you signed your first professional contract with the Rail Hugs. How was that feeling? It was amazing, man. Just finally finally being able to, you know, to say I, to say myself I did it. You know, I, I finally fulfilled a, a, a dream of mine that I had been dreaming since I was in high school, man. It was just a huge thing. And kind of it was a, it was a bit prideful, too. I mean, a lot of a lot of guys that. I know that I grew up playing soccer with were, you know, ecstatic and happy for me, but I think it was just one for me that was like, you know, anything is possible. You know, I'm a small, you know, small town guy from South Haven, Michigan, who would have thought that I would have been in this opportunity, would have had this opportunity to play professional soccer. Like I wouldn't have never, you know, obviously it was a dream of mine, but you know, just, just being finally realizing my dream was just, it was amazing for me. And after you signed, you're ecstatic. The real work starts, right? Exactly, exactly. That's when the real work started, and um, we had a very good we had a very good team that year too. And and it was tough. My first year was tough, but I think I learned a lot. I learned a lot through it from the older guys, and just the work ethic piece was such a huge thing. You know how sometimes you don't you don't make the travel squad, and you might be upset and things like that. But our coaches, our coaching staff that we had, really. Uh, really kept us um, in top shape and, and continued to, you know, help us continue to work hard. And, and I think that's what that also continued to help me drive myself as a player and moving forward. So now that you have the experience playing professionally, Daniel, what would you have done differently if you can go back to that first day? If like I can go back differently? Man. Training training that first day, or what would you have done differently to prepare for that first day of training with the Real Hugs after your first professional contract? Or if you want to go back a little bit, what would you have done differently? I think, uh, so I think my first professional day, I, I'm, I'm going to go to Salt Lake. I think I might have, I would tell myself to seize the moment more. I think when I went into it, I was so in awe about the experience that I was experiencing that I really didn't indulge like delve myself into it and actually you know play you know what I mean I think I was kind of still in that factor of oh my god that's Jao Plata oh my goodness that's Kyle Beckerman you know what I mean it was kind of just like a like a starstruck thing and I don't really think I actually you know seize the moment I, that's the only word I can really think of at the moment 
but yeah, I think that's one thing I would do differently is to actually, you know, perform because I, to this day, I kind of still think about it. I'm like, Hey, you know, I definitely, definitely think I could have did better than what I showed. You know what I mean? But I mean, for me, things happen for a reason and I'm continuing to play to strive to where I need to where I want to be. So as long as I still can strap on the boots and, and put in my best effort every day, that's what I'm going to do to get where I want to be. For sure, man. And now that you're, you know, you've been playing. This is my playing, seventh year now. Seventh year. Yeah. Playing professionally. Yes, now you sir. got the experience, man. Yeah. How, how have you developed as a player? How have you grown? What's the biggest strength that you've developed over time? I think my my technical ability was, was a huge one for me. Like, again, I, I think in, in high school and college, I always relied on my physical attributes. But as you continue to move up the ladder, you know what I mean? There's speed's not it's not enough you need to be able to be able to take on players and and, and dribble at them and get by them and that's one thing that I kind of I wasn't good at when I was in high school I think I was good at it from the outside looking in because I was faster than people but when you get down to the actual technique and things uh, I wasn't <laughs> so uh, I think that's one thing that he that really helped me out a lot and again like this goes back to me going for playing for four hours at the Rockville Sportsplex five days a week, man, like that really helped me out a lot um, to elevate my game to to the next level. So I think that's one thing for me that one piece for me that uh, that has developed over time, even from year one to year seven now. Yeah, and I love that you pointed that out because it's important for a player to be able to identify their strengths and weaknesses. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, be able to work constantly on their weakness and continue right. to make the strength stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's awesome right. to hear that you, you realize that and you've been working on it ever since. And now, you know, seventh year, you feel good. You're doing great, man. Yeah, bro. I'm Season's about feeling good, man. Soon. Feeling good, bro. Like, um, we're so so excited for the season. We have a special group of guys here at Torment as well. So <clears throat> hopefully we can get the season started so we can start winning some games, man. For sure, Daniel. All right, my man. So just to wrap it up, I always like to finish off with two questions. Sure, my bro. first question for you is, what is your definition of being a winner? My definition of being a winner, that's a great question. My definition of being a winner, number one, is just being consistent. Being consistent in what you do, continuing to, to thrive and to, to make yourself better every day. Um, another thing that I, I really preach a lot is to – to be in the moment because a lot of the times, you know, we, we sometimes forget what we're doing at the moment, but a lot of people don't get, would love to do what we do. Um, and so I think one thing for me that I do even every morning, bro, today at, before practice started, just like really being in the moment and knowing where you are and just accepting it and enjoying, enjoying what you're doing. You know what I mean? Cause I think that's one of the most important things and not even in just soccer, but in life, man, just in, realize where you are and enjoy the moment i love um, that and being aware and the competitiveness edge too like that's a huge thing as well like just compete be always strive to be one percent it's such a cliche to think thing to say but always striving to be better than you were yesterday man like, that's such a huge thing like things may not work out today but you're still able to you know go back tomorrow and fix it you know what i mean so fix it's what you so, did yesterday it's so true it's so real it's, right. it's it is a cliche thing to say. You yeah, it's it. such a cliche, but it's so true, bro. It's there's no other way around it. There's no secret. Yeah. That's 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 Nothing, literally bro. the secret. Hmm. And then my second question for you, Daniel, is if you could, what advice would you give to a 13 year old Daniel Jackson? A 13 year old Daniel Jackson. 
What would you tell Man, them? That's a that's a that's a deep question, bro. I I definitely <laughs> no, I definitely would would uh, tell him to be confident. There was one, you know, that was one thing for me growing up through the years that I feel like kind of hindered me as a player is that I wasn't confident in my ability. I wasn't confident in the in me as Daniel Jackson as the player, and it's something that I kind of grew into, grow you know as a, as my uh, career moved on. But one thing I think that hindered me in the beginning is that my confidence was very low, and uh, and just that was just one, again that was just one thing for me that really kind of feel hindered where I where I should be or what I could have been. Um, so that's one thing I would say is just to be confident and stay true to yourself, man. I love that because I know there's a lot of young players that struggle with confidence. They right. may be they may be talented and everything, but no yeah. one really knows what's going in, going on inside your heads. Right. You're and I mean, you telling yourself so many things, but nobody mm-hmm. ever knows. Right. And I, I I think also to me, I think that adding on to that, I feel like I was such a harsh critic of myself, um, and I think that might have added more to uh, my confidence. Like, like I I take a bad shot and I would just you know sulk like I miss a one-on-one and just I'd really get down on myself and obviously you know how it is like in soccer you know everybody makes mistakes Messi best player to ever play the game don't quote me on that (laughs) he makes mistakes as well Ronaldo makes mistakes but everybody makes mistakes but it's what you do after those those mistakes that define you as a player and so I wish I had learned that lesson sooner but I know it now so um, that's one thing I would definitely tell 13 year old Daniel Jackson is just uh to stay confident, stay true to himself. I love that advice, man. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. It has been an honor listening to your story, listening to your whole process and your journey as a professional player. And thanks, bro. Appreciate it. You know, for everybody listening, thank you for tuning in, guys. This was another episode of The Winner's Circle. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe now. It's a podcast where we dive deep into the mindset of professional players by Grande Sports Training. Thank you guys until the next one.